Today's episode of the City of Smack podcast on the City of Smack podcast network is brought to you by Momentus. Get your hands on the cleanest and safest supplements on the market. Over the past couple weeks, I've been able to try Momentus as one of the newest additions to my training regimen as I set out to try and break five minutes for the mile this summer and then maybe chase a sub three marathon this fall. All of their products are NSF certified for sport, which means you can trust and believe that what's on the label matches up with what's in the package. That's an awesome peace of mind to have. Momentus works with elite athletes in running, cycling, rock climbing, skiing, and even NFL football players. At the same time, they're also delivering results when it comes to working with recreational runners and people like me that just want to get the best out of themselves. So I've been using their strength and recovery protein shake after workouts. I'm someone who initially thought that you can get lost in what's proper fueling, you know, how much I should be taking. Momentus has made it super easy. All you have to do is go onto their site, they outline all of their ingredients, and you can also learn what some of the professional athletes are also doing. Like for example, I learned that Emma Bates drops Momentus collagen into her coffee and that she takes Momentus's brain drive before workouts. Try it for yourself. City of Smack podcast listeners will generously receive 20% off their first order of Momentus by using the promo code Sidious at checkout. Visit livemomentus.com and use the code Sidious at checkout for 20% off of plant protein, weight protein, sleep formula, brain formula, whatever. Live it, get it, prove it, livemomentus.com. Thanks to our newest backers on Patreon. Again, if you want to throw us a couple dollars to get behind all of the projects over at Sidious Mag, I'd greatly appreciate it. We're making the live stream for the Texas qualifier in just a couple weeks free for everyone to watch on the Sidious Mag YouTube channel. That's costing us a couple thousand dollars. But in order to get more eyeballs on the sport, we're going to make it happen. So every little bit helps. It's something new. It's something exciting. We just announced that Kyle Merber will be part of the Sidious Mag team for that broadcast. You can sign up at patreon.com slash Mag. Thanks to Connor Callahan, Joe Walker, Brian Schroy for stepping up and signing up within the past week. You can also show your support for Sidious by picking up a sweater or crew neck or t-shirt over at SidiousMag.com and hitting the merch tab. My guests for this bonus episode are Ryan Sterner and Stephen Kirsch. You might be familiar with their names since they were two of the founding contributors to Sidious Mag. Now they've gone on to start Rabbit Wolf Creative and they just released a fantastic film called A Time and a Place. It followed Northern Arizona elite stars in the preparation toward the 2020 U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials. By this point, we all know how the story ends. Alfie and Tulimuk ends up making the Olympic team for the Tokyo Summer Games. And we've had enough of their athletes on the podcast to talk about their training and their preparation. But what this film does is it packages all of that together with behind-the-scenes footage and really paints a picture of what this pursuit ultimately meant for each one of the athletes. So I highly recommend you check out the film. The virtual world premiere is this Saturday, February 13th. There are very few tickets left by the time that I push out this podcast, but wanted to give it one last push and remind you guys not to miss it. Hit the link in the show notes or in the Sidious Mag bio on Instagram to get your tickets today before the show sells out. This is one screening. As of right now, we don't have any other planned because you know they're still working on the uh, distribution for the film. So don't miss it. Check it out. Without further ado, here are Ryan and Steven. And now we welcome back 
Ryan Sterner and Stephen Kirsch onto the City of Smag podcast. I think it's been a while since uh, both you guys have been on, but now you guys are Academy Award nominated documentary filmmakers. So uh, that's right. First Speak off, it into existence. Congratulations. Uh, Let's let's hear let's hear about this. Like, how did this project come to be? I remember very very early on, uh, you guys just came up to me one day. It was like, "We're making a movie," and I was like, "Great, this sounds awesome." Um, yeah, I was actually I, I meant to ask you this, Stephen, the other day uh, because some people had been asking. But I it's it's been so long that we've been working on this project that the first thing that I truly remember about getting this thing off the ground was the the very formal pitch meeting that we had um, with, you know, uh, NAZ, some of the board members, like all the interested parties before we could really get off the ground. But I know, you know, we had been talking about it for a while. I just don't really remember how we even got into that room. Yeah, well, we got in there because Ben Rosario. And yeah, he, I, yeah, that's right. To me, you know, a very like in the summer before, because we pitched this in, in, I think, August, maybe? 2019, yeah. August of 2019, we pitched this to Hoka, and I think Ben came to me, like, I mean, months and months, and just like, Kirsch, man, we got to have a movie, dude. We, we got to do something big, you know, because he knew. I think he knew that, that they were going to have an Olympian, or, you know, he, he believes that with his whole heart. And uh, I think he wanted to capture, and he just knew that it was going to be a cool opportunity with six marathoners, so... I remember Ben pretty much telling me that we were going to do this. And I'm just like, you know, because he was, um, it was the same time when they were renegotiating a deal with Hoka. So it was going to be really, it was going to coincide really well with, with everyone being in Flagstaff, the people, the decision makers. And he was like, you know, this is a great opportunity for you and Ryan to, to pitch this. And like, I mean, I remember, it wasn't so much like you and I sitting around being like, Hey, we should do this. Whereas like, we were told like, Hey, you guys are going to do this. And, uh, and then we pitched it. And I mean, it was the most, uh, in terms of how quickly we got the okay, it was the quickest okay ever. Hoka basically signed, signed off on it. They did, uh, the, right after our, you know, five minute, 10 minute pitch and where Ryan forgot half the words to his slides. It was, uh, God, I think about that often. I think about how nervous I was in that meeting. I, 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 and you can, you can remind me. I don't remember being particularly nervous beforehand. <laughs> but then I remember, you know, standing in front of that room, which is, you know, it's like Ben and Jen and I, it was Bob Tuso there. I don't know. It's like these people that are super familiar to us and then these couple people from Hoka um and we i remember we had split <laughs> we had split up the slides like i'll i'll talk about this one you'll talk about this one right. and um you know it's funny it's a thing that i know that i do every once in a while like speaking to large groups of people is that and maybe this is some sort of anxiety related thing but i just won't breathe like i'll <laughs> i'll like exhale <laughs> and I just won't inhale. So like I'll be talking and like exhaling and then I just will stop breathing. So I remember very vividly feeling like the walls in this room closing in and like, oh shit, Ryan, you sound like you've just ran around the block as hard as you can. You are panting. And I remember I looked over 
because uh, this was like the opening slide. I was yeah. the first one to talk you, in, the, yeah, in this pitch meeting, and I'm like hyperventilating. And I remember Ben Rosario looking at me, and his eyes just widened the slightest bit. And it's like, you know, it's like this man who's in your corner looking at me. He's like, get it together, Ryan. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, eventually, you know, I handed it off to you. I think I took a few deep breaths and we had it from there. But yeah, right. that was, um, yeah, that was nerve. But yeah, like Steven said, it was pretty immediate. Like, well, we'll figure out how to do this. We'll let you boys know. You yeah. Know. Well, how how we're going to make it happen but let's move forward assuming that this is going to happen yeah when you guys get the green light then where do you go like it's just like you guys have been making shorter I went to tokyo what's that <laughs> i left i left for like a month uh yeah, we decided that this was a good time to go to tokyo for a month yeah and like i came back and uh i'm sorry i interrupted you but physically where did we go physically i left i left the country for a month, but I think your question was going somewhere else. What are you saying? Yeah. So, I mean, where did you sort of turn to for just like any sort of guidance? Like there's no how to make a movie for dummies chapter one. And then like from there, you're just probably you have like a framework. So what were the first initial steps you guys took to setting out on making a movie? Mm. Mm. We, we talked about it every day. I mean, Steven and I were living with each other at the time. And um, I think both of us understood how important of a moment we were tasked with capturing. And uh, that made us very nervous, I think. Very, I mean, we wanted to do it right. And we wanted and we didn't know how, but I, I think, you know, I, I, a lot of our conversations were just figuring out how many days we thought we were going to need to be with the group and just writing a lot of stuff down. Like, what are the storylines? Who are the characters? Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I remember in the days preceding the, that meeting. Yeah, I think it was a lot of, um, definitely a lot of anxiety was, you know, floating around us. We were just tasked with a pretty... Big, you know, we, we'd committed ourselves to a, what we knew was going to be a, potentially, I don't think at the time when we thought it was going to be a year-long um, project, but, you know, it turns out being a pretty long thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, we both wanted to do a really, it, we knew it was going to be different than anything else we had ever done in terms of the time we committed to it. And then the end product being we were totally fine with investing, you know, almost all the money into like some, into other people in terms of bringing the best parts of the movie to life through, you know, post-production through sound through that. Like, these are the things that we knew were going to make this really good. And we were very comfortable with investing in where we wanted to put a lot of time and energy. And we knew that for us, it was just a matter of honestly, just kind of keeping the cameras on, uh, and trying to capture some really cool, cool moments, which I think we did. Um, like we kind of talked about in that Q and A, was like, you know, Ryan and I are we were in a very unique position with the group, just having having worked so much. Like we're very comfortable with most of those athletes, so we were really excited about the possibility of you know doing some really in depth interviews and and maybe teasing some things out that aren't normally talked about with these people. Um, it is funny to see what made the film versus how much footage we took and how many interviews, you know, we had with these people. And it's like, 
you know, there's a lot of moments that didn't, that didn't, that didn't make the final cut that I think were really good. But um, yeah, I think we committed ourselves to just basically focusing on this project for a very long time. And um, that was kind of where we started. I remember we uh, talking about just the logistics of making a documentary, like how many days we were going to have to be with these people, what we were doing in terms of getting, setting up interviews and doing the stuff that adds a lot of texture to documentaries, which is, you know, being with them in their homes and capturing those more personal moments. And I, I don't know if you remember this, Stephen, but initially we had talked about um, only being with the team like once a week, but for like a block of seven days, you know, like once or once a month for, for seven straight days. And that that's what we would use to make the movie. And, uh, we, we were planning on that for a while, but then it, it, I feel like once we actually started shooting, which was October ish, I think both Steven and I realized that in order to, yeah, make what we had in mind, we were going to need to be with them three, like three to five days a week for the entire 16 day block. 16 week. (laughs) Sorry. 16 week, 16 week block. Yeah. Yeah. When When do you have to sort of take a step back and assume like, that third person sort of viewer role when it comes to making this film, because it's like you guys are having been involved in the sport, knowing them so well, it's like you can spend 30 minutes of a, you know, full length two two hour documentary just solely focused on, for example, you know, Kellen Taylor's college career and just like her upbringing and all that kind of stuff. But I think what makes this film sort of interesting and special is that, as a person coming into it without any sort of knowledge of this group, you're able to immediately sort of relate to these people or just know that they're professional athletes without getting the whole step-by-step backstory to their life. So how much of that did you guys end up getting at first and not having, not including at the end of the, at the film in the final product? Um, Because you kind of have to do keep in mind that you're limited on sort of time and, it's being that there's six people that's six different backstories to touch on. And so, I mean, there was a lot to sort of juggle even in just like the context side of things. For sure. Um, I remember trying to figure out how, you know, writing a documentary works, you know, because a lot of what you see is, is what Steven and I had planned, you know, like as much as I think, Initially, Steven and I went into it thinking, yeah, we're just going to roll camera. And then at the end of February 2020, we're going to have everything we need to make a documentary. But we, we went through a lot of different, like we threw a lot of different ideas out there. What are we going to do? Like, we're gonna, let's make it an hour long documentary. We're going to spend 10 minutes on each person, you know, diving into their backstory and see how they're just like 10 maybe little episodes that are just edited together into a movie. So. Um, you know, we we thought about, and we did, right? We captured probably everybody's backstory. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah, 100 Like, we, we talked to, we were in people's houses. We have interviews with people's parents. You know, we 
Stephen's aunt, right, works at Wichita State Athletics, right, and she sent us some archival footage of them. So we have all of this stuff. And, like, if you see the movie, you'll, you'll see that, like, 90% of that doesn't go into it. But, like, we had planned to definitely include that sort of stuff. But, you know, I mean, Stephen would probably give you an insight on, like, why that stuff doesn't necessarily – need to be in there or like why we made those decisions but yeah i mean we definitely went into it thinking that we were going to include all of that stuff yeah and i do i mean it, it just came down to a time thing right and also like you're gonna lose people i think if you dive into six people's backgrounds like you can do that for a couple people but i mean at the end of the day like a lot of these people have similar backgrounds you know it's like yeah I, oh i picked up picked up running in high school and doing it in college where I was, I was pretty good. Then, you know, Ben Rosario took a shot on me. It's like, man, you could say that same kind of storyline for a lot of people. And like, obviously there's nuance and there's, I'm not trying to say that someone's story wasn't, you know, worthy of being told, but like, yeah, we knew we had to keep this thing tight. And I think what we were really, what, what the biggest thing, what we want to do with this film, we wanted to appeal to a broader audience, someone that isn't, super nuanced in the in running right and like doesn't doesn't know all these things and i think if we had gone down some of these rabbit holes it's like you know i think you can kind of scratch the surface a little bit and be like okay these people are professional runners they obviously have won before in their lives and everything um so i think it was really important for us to kind of keep that kind of stuff rather concise and focus on more of like the present moment what these people are going through in this time of their lives one thing that you mentioned before was just sort of even before the pitch meeting is that ben had had this level of confidence that like an excitement that there's a really good shot someone from this team makes the olympics when did you guys sort of start to buy into that idea as well? Or did you sort of, there's a, there's a balance. You want to kind of keep it a little bit objective, I guess, if you want to put like the big J journalist cap on. And then at the, but at the same time, getting so close to them, like you also start to feed off of the excitement that comes with, in a way, getting adopted into this team's culture and, and, and the insights and the inner workings of it. So um, how'd you strike that balance? I don't think we did a very good job. I mean, I think, you know, any week we basically thought someone else was going to make the team. Um, there was a moment where Steven and I were like, well, it looks like NAZ is going to have the top three men and the top three women at the, at the, at the trials. Like they're going to have six Olympians. It looks like Sid Vaughn is going to win the damn thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Ryan and I both obviously, you know, we're very aware of what these workouts mean. Um, in terms of marathon buildups and we're aware of what's going on with other groups and that kind of thing. Um, but that being said, I, I don't know if we did a great job of like, not just like drinking up the Kool-Aid, which like there was a lot of Kool-Aid to be drunk up. Like, you know, you see these people do these amazing, amazing things. And like, obviously being in Flagstaff is pretty unique because of the altitude, right? Like they're never actually running, you know, for, 50 pace for the guy is really in, you know, five twenties or whatever for the women. Um, so everything comes with a little bit of a grain of salt, but you know, you hear stories like, well, this is what Abdi did before he, you know, ran this time. It's like, okay, well, Fobble just ran faster than that. It's like, what does that mean? Um, so yeah, it was definitely hard to strike the balance, but I think, 
Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, when Atlanta came, it was kind of like, well, okay, someone's going to make it. Like, you know, and yeah. I think it, it really came clear that the women were in a very, just like, like they were in an absolute elite group of their own. Like those three ladies were just everything was going well for them versus the guys. Like definitely, definitely some hiccups and then those guys build up some, but it was fun to watch. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff that not, everyone saw even in the film like we don't really go into how much the scots struggled with like a like a flu um a couple weeks before the trials you know um and to see them then run how they did it's it's pretty cool it was um that's one thing that steven and i talked about a lot though is i mean these were conversations that you know we would be parked in our car on the side of lake mary watching a workout and be like well i don't fucking know everyone's gonna make the team we've got (laughs) you know there's look at all these olympians running by us but then knowing that when we put a camera on them not wanting to i I feel like we were pretty sensitive to the fact that we didn't want to get in their heads whatsoever yeah like we drank the Kool-Aid in terms of like, we watch these things and we're like, Oh, this is pretty cool. Like these guys are going to do it, but then also not wanting to spook them because we knew how important it was. And not to say that any of them are mentally fragile whatsoever, but like, yeah, we want, we, we wanted to ask questions a lot. Like what happens if you don't make the team, you know, what happens if you win it? And it's just, there, there got to a certain point where Steven and I were like, well, we're not going to ask those type of questions anymore. Like we're too close to the race. The, yeah. you can start to get into your head about the buildup a little bit, especially the Scots with, yeah, they did get sick. Both of both Scott Smith and Scott Fobble each independently missed a week of the buildup. I think Scott missed one week and then, um, Fobs missed the next or vice versa, you know? And so it, it got to a point where we're like, all right, things have been a little bit funny. So let's maybe cut the, these types of questions from what, what we ask them on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Well, yeah. what were some of those questions that you probably like held back on? I think like, a lot of like, like, are you screwed? Like that kind of <laughs> like that forward? Yeah, kind of. And I think, you know, what kind of what Ryan was saying, like, man, you know, we interviewed these people like a couple days before the trials, like, you know, two or three days out. And like, it would have been great to be like, you know, yeah, well, okay, if you don't make the team, well, what what happens? How does your life look, you know? And I mean, some of that might have been, you know, maybe we're naive and making our first film and we just, you know, we don't really have a journalistic background. So like, we're not used to even really asking these types of questions. Um, and I think it was uncomfortable for us, but I think, um, yeah, just, you know, we probably held back on, on some of the more, uh, more potentially emotional stuff as the race got closer, just because, yeah, we were pretty considerate of, of not wanting to get in their heads. But that being said, I'm sure that they've been asked way more annoying or way more potentially emotionally destructive questions like the night before a race. So it probably wouldn't have done much to their psyche, but that kind of stuff we sort of held back on. How did you treat the day of the trials? Because that's especially one where they're at their most sort of like, not fragile, but like locked in, they're in the zone and you don't want to put like the camera too close to them or like interrupt whatever their pre-race rituals and all that kind of stuff is. So how did you tread that line? Um, well, we were, 
you, you know, it, there's not a lot of time between when we wake up and when the races were. So we didn't really have a lot of time. And we knew, I mean, we didn't interview. Well, Waffle House breakfast, though. Yeah, we did have time to go to Waffle House for breakfast, um, which is probably the last time that Stephen and I got to dine in before uh, the world shut down. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we had a limited amount of resources um, that day it was me uh, on camera. It was me, Steven and, uh, our buddy Kirk Warner. And so we put two people in different hotel rooms. So we were with Scott Smith and Scott Fobble. And we did that because we know them the best, you know? So there, we didn't want to ask certain people like, Hey, can we be in your room literally 45 minutes before the race? It, that just felt a little too invasive for, you know, some of the people, but for, we knew that we could probably be in the room with Scott Smith and Scott Fobble and not make them uncomfortable, uh, before, you know, before the race. And then I was tasked with just tailing Ben, uh, Ben Rosario for the day. So, you know, we, for that day, at least we were there to just be a fly on the wall, you know, like we weren't asking questions and that's, that's, I don't know if it necessarily comes across in the film. Like if we were going to make a 90 minute film, maybe there would be a little more build up and there would be some more quieter moments on the day of the race, because that's probably, that's really how we went into it. Like, let's just be these outside observers and show you, you know, pretty intimately though, like what it's like to be these athletes in a hotel room before heading outside and being the coach as you wait for the stable of athletes to just like, okay, I'm done with what I, did with you for these, you know, this buildup, like go and fulfill your dreams. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think from what I remember, that's really what, what our ethos was on the day. How did, how, how much restraint did it take to not get caught up also in the same sort of like thrill with like, so the Ben Rosario scene that people can kind of see in the trailer uh, for a split moment um, hopefully we can show that scene during the Texas qualifier meet that we're going to broadcast uh, later this month. But it, it sticks out to me as like, that's the moment that you kind of wish uh, that fans really kind of wish that like the NBC cap, like mo like broadcast will capture because, but you can't put cameras on every single coach, but that's the, the Holy shit moment that Ben Rosario has where he's losing his mind. Um, when, when you're holding the camera do you realize just how big of a moment that is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Like, how do you show restraint, Chris? Like I, I couldn't really. And that, that was like, if I could go back and do anything different, first of all, like that was Ben. we ran from mile 23 to mile 25. And obviously we're like, we're taking tangents, but like I had my camera backpack and I had this camera and Ben is sprinting through the streets. I, I would say that we probably ran like a mile and a half. I don't know. Like if for me, it felt forever, but I was chasing Ben through the streets of Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> exactly. And, um, yeah, I, Ben, I was with Ben the whole day. So he would occasionally, you know, look at me and ask me questions, give me these updates that he was getting. And I, yeah, I really didn't know what to do. Like, in my mind, I'm like, should I be answering his questions? Like, should I just have this camera pointed at him? But like in that moment that you're talking about specifically, where it's 800 meters to go and Allie has a clear break 
from the field, you know, like he's getting these updates before he sees her and he's like, he's looking at me and he's like, I could, I've never seen that man. Ben is generally like, he's very good at being very mm-hmm. even keeled. But he looked at me and I was like, there's just this, this wild look in his eye. And then she comes around that corner and yeah, I mean, you can hear me. Like I'm not, I wasn't able to really hold back. I was, I was screaming too. Yeah. Steven, did you have a moment like that? And I had, I was tasked with a little bit different of a, of a, of a job that day. So I, I was, um, I was just trying to get like street scenes and I was going in and out of the Hoka bar. Hoka had rented out a bar. Um, so we were watching, you know, we were watching it on, on the TV and that was actually really cool. Cause I was in the bar when like they all started chanting her name, you know, Alephine, Alephine, when it was pretty clear she was going to win. And, you know, you still get goosebumps thinking about that kind of stuff. But um, no, I'm pretty, um, I'm, I'm very jealous of, of what, what Ryan was able to, um, to pull off. How does the post edit, I mean, like the post production process sort of look like when, maybe in the weeks leading up to the race, you had a certain ending and framework in mind. And then you, one out of the six ends up making the team, not all six, not, you know, three of the six. Um, so how did that change things? It was a really nice finish. You know, we, we, we have the winner, like it's, it's huge that, and not even that, it just was a nice having those three women all, you know, being the top 10 and just have really good races. That was kind of where we knew then, okay, well in post, this is going to drive the final minutes of the story is obviously we're going to want to be centered around kind of this, this is, this is the, the outcome we all wanted um, or an outcome we all wanted as of success. So I think that kind of drove the story. Um, we worked with a really great post-production company out of Portland uh, called Lucky Day. And, shout um, out Kyle, Chris, and Zach. Yeah, shout out, boys. And they, like, held our hands through this whole thing because, obviously, we've never done this. Um, they were super it, patient with us. It was awesome. Yeah, without them, this movie would not uh, be even half what it is. So I think we're super grateful to them. Um, but that being said, like, they, they you know, it was up to us to kind of, we, we wrote a story basically with everything we knew we had. Ryan was really good about that. And um, yeah, I yeah. think um, the one thing, the, the intro, the one mm-hmm. thing that, I mean, Steven and I wrote pages and pages of what, I mean, maybe what would be called treatments, but like that first 90 seconds with Ben, uh, I wrote that. And it almost like, I, I don't know. Like I remember mm-hmm. we saw it and I was just like, that, this is like word for word how we had it written you know so uh the um it was pretty cool because yeah there there are storylines that we had written out and we you know we send these pages and we probably we worked with lucky day for almost nine months on on the on the edit and uh talking with them on a weekly basis about like this is what it needs to look like this is what the this moment needs to feel like you know we want more of this. We want less of this. Like, so yeah, I mean, after we were done filming, uh, I don't know. I remember feeling, I'm sure both Steven and I felt like, well, we know that this is going to be the most amount of work yet, but 
then it also like there was a certain emptiness that I felt for a little bit, like almost like a, yeah, it was like, there was a come down from that moment. And then, you know, like we had a, we had a, Stephen and I, we have a pretty non-traditional schedule, right? But for those three months, we, we knew that we were going to be with NAZ every single day. Mm-hmm. And we knew that we were going to be thinking and talking about the movie every single day. So like, we, we didn't have these things and we didn't have these people that we were talking to like around us, you know, and then COVID came and yeah, I mean, it gave us a lot of time to really reflect on all the footage we had. We, we wrote, like we organized all of the footage that we had and we wrote down notes for every shooting day, which I think ended up being a hundred. We were with them for at least a hundred days. Probably if we look at that sheet, Steven, I think that that's yeah. probably, and uh, yeah, we were able to, we, we knew, I think, the story that we wanted to tell. So yeah, those, those weeks after were spent like watching the footage, writing down what we wanted to, it to look like. And yeah, I mean, I think the end product is pretty close to what we had in mind. For mm-hmm. sure. Um, so I guess like final thing I'll ask because, you know, it's something that is very interesting for me to hear, especially when... Tim Jeffries, our good friend, produced like the Ryan Hall film and it, you know, turned into this decade long process. How does it feel that it's now out there? And like, what are you hoping people take away? I asked it in the Q&A that we did for the newsletter, but like, what's the what's the hope for, you know, that that feeling that people get after they walk away from it? Well, it feels great to have it uh, have it done, because I think we you know, we've, we've been excited about it for so long. And I think, you know, Tim didn't necessarily have the ending. We, like, you know, we really, I mean, we felt we were lucky to have the kind of ending that we had. And I think, you know, to be able to know that, okay, we can literally tie this thing up with a beautiful bow. Um, that, that, that was very exciting. And I think as we saw the progress of the film, you know, we, we really wanted to share this with people and, um, that's been such a fun part about all this is, is sitting someone that you love down. Like, this is what I've been working on for a year and, you know, showing them and, you know, just seeing them cry and, you know, they don't even know these people, you know, and it's uh, that kind of stuff is really, that's been awesome. And I think Ryan and I have talked about, it's like, it's, you know, we've been working on producing content now for, you know, three years or so. And, to I think we both just the fulfillment of creating a longer more meaningful piece has been really cool Uh, to see it through the entire process has I think you know made us want to do this more often um and then yeah what what do I want people to get from it I guess just um I don't mm, that's a good question I mean I think what we said there was just kind of like I just want someone to feel something I think there's a lot that you can feel through this whole film um, you know, you, you can, everyone goes through something, right? Yeah. There's the, there's the huge win at the end, but then there's also the struggle that leads up to that for almost everybody else. Um, and I think we've all been there and yeah, I just hope people leave with maybe a little understanding of, of everyone's own trials and tribulations, uh, in, in these sorts of processes and then can relate that to their own life somehow. That's been the biggest thing for, for me is, uh, and, and yeah, like Stephen said, it's something we've talked about a lot. This has been the most fulfilling project that we've, we've worked on ever. And so to see something that you've worked on so personally and so closely for, you know, m- more than a year of your life at this point <clears throat> to, 
yeah to give it to people and see what they think of it uh is pretty it's pretty exciting so um we haven't showed many people yet but the people that we have showed it to it's it's been yeah it's been great so i'm yeah i'm looking forward to kind of getting it out there um and I, yeah, I don't know. It's tough because you make this thing and there's a certain way that you want people to feel. But at the end of the day, it is like, I guess, a piece of art. And it's, it's something that you put out there and it, it's no longer yours, right? Like we can do as good of a job as we want on making it about a specific thing, but people are going to feel about it the way they feel. Like, And that's an exciting part of it, right? So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm interested to see what people get out of it. I don't, um, I don't think I fully understand what I've taken away from it yet. Uh, so, yeah, I can't wait for the message boards to tell me how I should feel about the movie. I made. <laughs> you spent a year on this. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, once we get torn down like that, it'll be up to, to Steven and I to, to figure out, um, how to how to do a, a tell a better story next time time in um, a place too and then it just follows the yeah right <laughs> um well guys i'm really excited uh for other people to see the film i'm excited for you guys to uh be at the oscars um but yeah yep. you know i hope we've already know. got our tuxedos <laughs> Shout out, Marilyn. But uh, yeah, people can get their tickets on Show and Tell. The links are all over SidiousMag.com. You can hit the link in the bio of the Sidious Mag Instagram page. Um, the film premieres on February 13th at 7 p.m. And then you have 24 hours to view it from there. Um, it's a very limited release, so don't miss out. Um, but yeah, thanks again, Ryan and Steven, for making this happen and, and bringing this uh, to the world to commemorate what was really one of the highlights of uh, 2020. Seriously. Thank you for having thanks us. For Always love catching up with Ryan and Steven. So thanks to them again for taking part in the show. If you're watching A Time and a Place on Saturday night, shoot us a photo on Instagram stories or wherever. Let us know what you think of the film. All feedback is greatly appreciated. Many thanks to Momentus for sponsoring the podcast. Give their protein mix or their sleep formula or any of their products a try. Shop around at livemomentus.com and get 20% off your first order when you use the promo code Sidious at checkout. That's livemomentus.com, promo code Sidious. Subscribe to the Sidious Mag newsletter. It'll go out later this week. You'll get all your running news, results, analysis from me. Again, keep the show going strong. Throw us a couple bucks on Patreon or pick up some cool merch. The links to those are also in the show notes. And that's all I've got. I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running. We're almost at the Texas qualifiers, so stay tuned for more on that. Legs are feeling good. <laughs> <laughs>